Hello and everyone, welcome back to Ninjas and Bots. This is episode 10 of the podcast that is taking you through every issue of the IDW comic series for the Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We release every episode on Saturday mornings, like the cartoons we watched as kids. And uh, I'm here, and I'm John, and with me is my friend. Hi, John, it's Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Um, We are here to talk about issue five of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which um, I guess we can think of as an epilogue for the origin, but it's, it's officially listed as a prologue for the next series. So mm-hmm. um, either way you want to go, Lane, tell us what happens in issue five. All right. Well, on the, on the wiki turtles page, it has it listed as enemies, old enemies, new prologue. The cover date is December, 2011 cover art, Mateus Santoloco, Dan Duncan and Kevin Eastman. Story and script by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Art by Dan Duncan and Matea Santaluco. Colors by Rhonda Pattison. Letters by Sean Lee. Editor Bobby Curno. So, um, so this story really bounces around in time, which started making the synopsis a bit tricky. So I decided to break it up into two sections. New York oh, present good. day. Yeah, New York present day and feudal Japan. Um, there is a little bit with April and Casey, but I think we can just hit that in our discussion because I don't want to dilute the A and B story with their teeny tiny C story. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting with Feudal Japan. Hamato Yoshi stalks the night, hunting down members of the Foot Clan who are led by Aroku Saki. Once, Yoshi and Saki were clan brothers. However, Yoshi spoke up against Saki's brutal methods of killing in- innocent civilians. Saki saw this as an act of treason, which must be punished by death. Yoshi had a wife named Tang Shen, and four small sons, but the foot attacked their quiet home to punish Yoshi. Shen is struck down by Katana. Yoshi puts up a fierce battle despite being outnumbered. Before Shen dies, she tells him that she sees the need for vengeance in his eyes, but he needs to flee with their sons to keep them safe. With no time to mourn, Yoshi gathers his sons, and they vanish into the mountains. They are safe for eleven years, while the sons grow and learn the art of ninjutsu. But Oroku Saki has tracked them down after all this time, and he has a whole army of ninja at his back. Hamato Yoshi is forced to watch as his four sons are prepared for execution. He prays to Buddha that one day he and his sons will be reunited, and that he would be able to face Oroku Saki, warrior to warrior. He asks his sons to forgive him. Saki gives the order, and the four brothers are simultaneously executed. Yoshi says, Uroku Saki, for eleven seasons I have honored my wife's last wish and avoided a confrontation with you in order to keep our children safe. But now my sons are dead, and I am no longer bound to that promise. Know this, when we meet again, I will destroy you. Saki calls him a fool that they will never meet again and he delivers Yoshi's death blow himself. New York, present day. Splinter stalks the night, hunting down Hobbs' goons who are in turn hunting him. The fight brings back distant memories as he makes his way home. In the lair, the turtles compliment Raphael on how quickly he is picking up ninjutsu. Raphael says it's almost as though his body already knows what to do. The other brothers say they felt the same way when they were first learning many months ago. Master Splinter returns home, and he comes bearing gifts. New colorful masks to replace the red ones. Except for Raph, who keeps the red one. 
but that's because Splinter has instead brought him his first weapons, a pair of Psy. Your abilities have advanced beyond my expectations in the short time you've been back with us, and you have more than earned these. Remember, we walk a path of peace now, and violence can only be our final choice in any situation. I have learned the truth of this through painful experience. Use these tools honorably, my son. Always. Splinter then calls his family to sit with him as he prepares to tell them a most amazing tale, while a small Christmas tree with four lights, red, blue, orange, and purple, sits on a nearby table. So, yeah, what do you think of this issue? Okay, this was both super sweet, um, kind of vicious, and also mm-hmm. rather unexpected as a storytelling device. Um, I, I, I've given thought occasionally to tropes of Western storytelling versus Eastern storytelling. And I feel like things like reincarnation um, are not something that we have as often in our Western storytelling, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's probably a lot more common in Eastern storytelling. And I realize those are huge glosses and generalizations that I don't mean to be, you know, uh, doing so in a negative way, but I just feel like they're, 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 there's a trend in, in, in kind of these types of stories that we tell um, in our cultures. So it was very unexpected to see what appears to be a reincarnation uh, background for the turtles. Um, definitely respect it because, you know, they're Japanese characters or, you know, characters who are from Japan. Obviously, the Eastman Laird are not Japanese. Um, so if, if we're going to use something like reincarnation or some sort of Eastern, Eastern storytelling trope, this would be the appropriate place to use it. Um, I just hadn't expected it. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it, honestly. Um, it, cause it's just, it's different, but I'm curious to see how it plays out with the, um, with the turtles and Splinter and uh, Shredder when he comes along and how all of that comes across emotionally when they all meet up for the first time and that sort of thing. A very, mm-hmm. it, it has my, has my curiosity, uh, questions erased. Yes. I really love. That they tied in this uh, reincarnation because in past iterations of the story, you know, they've always seen Splinter as a father figure and they've always considered each other to be, if not, you know, actual brothers, at least brothers in the spiritual sense. But this adds a layer of um, authenticity. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that that non-blood family are not authentic. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it, it adds a layer of the the biological family, um, even though it's in, you know, Eon's past. Mm-hmm. And it also explains them picking up the art of ninjutsu so quickly. So it works. It fits in really well and, add, and um, answers questions that we might be stuck on otherwise. And I feel like some of the just the, the the structure of the dynamics between Yoshi and Saki, how you know Foot Clan and um, you know rivalry and swords, and in the very first issue of the Mirage series, whenever they tell Shredder to commit seppuku, all of that stuff is from older Japan, and to use it mm-hmm. for use it in a modern Japanese setting feels like um, you know a stereotype. But to use it in a more historically, culturally appropriate setting feels more genuine. And so to mm-hmm. to bring in a ancient history element to the story rather than putting all of those things into a modern 
context for Japan. I feel like it was an interesting choice to have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't mention when I talked about the artists for this issue, but they did something interesting. They had Dan Duncan did the uh, modern New York storytelling, mm-hmm. and Mat- Mateus Santoloco was the artist for the feudal feudal Japan parts. And their their styles aren't so indifferent or um, aren't so unlike that it really jars. But I like that they have a slightly different style to show slightly different, well, vastly different, sorry, vastly different places and times in this uh, in this story arc. You're right. the 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 way they draw faces and everything is not so dissimilar as to stand out at you. But mm-hmm. if you were to take the two main covers for this comic, which are Splinter walking two different ways, if you set them next to each other, they're either walking toward each other or away from each other, depending on how you do it. The, uh, one mm-hmm. of them has um, Rat Splinter, but dressed in older cultural Japanese clothing. And you have, um, I, th- I think that's Hamato Yoshi in the background. Um, the turtles are more diminished on the cover. And that's the Santo Loco cover which he does all of the historical art. And then the other cover is a more modern rendition of Splinter and his clothes with the backpack. The turtles, you know, are more prominent on the background and that's your Dan Duncan cover. So having that Mm -hmm. parallelism in the story art and in the covers is a really neat choice. I like that a lot. Yeah. While and I, uh, I'll go ahead. While we're talking about covers, I sent you a copy. I don't know if you've seen the the Eastman cover for this issue. I didn't. I I saw it pop up in my chat, but I didn't. I didn't see that one it's, before. No, it's a super cute because this is a Christmas issue, which is only comes up in the very last page. Um, right, but it has the turtles in the snow, and they have made a snowman of Raphael, and it's super cute. <laughs> Yeah, and it in no way hints that there are some children being beheaded within the I issue. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have beheaded oh, four oh small goodness. boys right there. Oh, I, the the first time I read this, I was gut punched. It was because you know you have the four boys, and they you know you have um, Leonardo. Well, I don't know what his uh, his Japanese name is, but the the child who is Leonardo is being very stoic and and firm upper upper lip, and the child that's Michelangelo is bawling, and then you have Donatello looking very concerned and worried, and Raphael looking angry, and they're just they're just small tykes. Mm-hmm. You know they've 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 grown since Yoshi fled with them because you know one of them was. A little more than a toddler carrying another infant brother, so they were very tiny. Um, but they're still, you know, very small. Um, so that was 11 years ago. So ranging in age from um, probably 15 to, to 12 or something like that. Right. But uh, yeah, it's just it's brutal, brutal, brutal. Yeah, they. And I, I'm pretty sure I was in tears the first time I read it, and the second time I read it for this uh, for this podcast, it. It made me water up a little bit. Yeah, I hadn't um, in my head. I still visualize them as being small in the in the in the execution scene. But no, you're right. They are um, probably all some form of teenagers, which of course goes along with the title, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it hadn't occurred to me until you said it that they probably had different names as Japanese children, not so much the um, <laughs> the mostly Italian <laughs> Renaissance yeah. names that we have now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, um, 
the way they're depicted there, you're right. All of their personalities are very much captured. And earlier in the scene, they're having fun, and Michelangelo is so, you know, eager to eat food, and you know, he's a, a bit of a glutton. Um, I just their personalities are still there as they are in the present mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Um, uh, my goodness, what what a what a scene that was. That was intense. Yeah. So yeah. I like the splinter stuff in this present day stuff because he is not a withered old man in this story. No. Mm-mm. And I really like the parallelism that they give because, like I said, in the in the actual issue, they bounce back and forth. And I didn't synopsize it that way because it could get really confusing. But in the, in the first couple pages, you have modern day Splinter putting a thug into a sleeper hold and dragging him off while a, a, a Yoshi from the past is being chased by Ninja and he cuts the man's throat. Um, so that kind of ties into later when he tells Raphael, you know, use this, uh, with honor. Like we, we use violence only in the very last, as a last resort. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we see that here and, um, I'll, I'll mention now the, the little bit of Casey Jones and April, because there's some parallelism going on there. And it, it's actually the first time Casey Jones and April O'Neill meet each other. So Casey Jones is, gets a talking to from his hockey coach about being on academic probation and that he needs to get his grades up or risk being cut from the team. Um, at the same school, April O'Neill puts on a notice board that she will trade tutoring in exchange for uh, self-defense lessons. And we can kind of see where this is going. Mm-hmm. So um, and they have kind of a ship's passing yeah. in the night encounter. They don't actually meet, but they go opposite ways through the same door at mm-hmm. the same time. It's fun. Yeah. And then at the end, we see uh, Casey going to his mother's grave and you know saying that he misses her. And in the next panel, April is returning home and giving her mother a, a fierce, happy hug. Right. So there's just a lot of mirroring, mirroring in this issue, and it's done really beautifully. Um, you know, Casey, I don't know if there is a reason that his grades are failing beyond just like he says, he doesn't do book stuff, but he was doing well. So I feel like the book stuff is, is a bit of a cop out. I'm not sure where that's going to go. Um, mm-hmm. But then I have theories on that. I, I think, you know, part of it is, you know, the abuse he's taking at home. And then he and Raphael hitting the uh, streets at night to do their thing. That probably cuts into study time. So I wouldn't homework, be surprised yeah. if that's. Yeah. <laughs> but then, and, you know, being told he's going to get kicked out of school if he doesn't get things up. What does he do? He goes and visits his mom's grave and, you know. Yeah. I didn't see if he was being kicked out of school. I think he was going to be kicked off the hockey team. Um, yeah, okay, I can see that kicked off the hockey team, but eventually getting kicked out of school is... Yeah, right. Having mm-hmm. been that person, I can tell you, if you don't get your grades yeah. up from academic probation, they do not want you in the school anymore. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think getting them off of the extracurricular stuff would be the first step as a, a stopgap to get the the grades up. But um, And of course, hockey is one of the few things in his life that he loves, so he definitely doesn't want to lose that. We get a little bit of uh, out of sequence storytelling, even just for the Japan stuff, because our first scene of Hamato Yoshi is he's um, uh, trying to elude Foot Clan members, and then it immediately mm-hmm. flashes back to how he had the falling out with the Foot Clan um, and goes into exile. But this is our first time to see the Foot 
symbol um, on in, in the comic. Now we did see it last two weeks ago from the 30th anniversary story, but that story is not going to get published for several more years. So that was kind of a flashback tale mm-hmm. when it came out. This is our first Foot Clan, and it inspired me to do a little bit of looking. Um, so Foot Clan uh, probably in Japanese will be Ashishi. Ashi is the word for foot. And whenever you see them in their, I don't know, dojo or whatever meeting place on the banners, the first symbol there is the word for foot. And mm. um, then Japanese names use suffixes for a lot of different purposes. And so putting, right. putting she on the end of that would make it a clan name, Ashishi. Nice. Um, so that's probably how that would go. And in most turtle stuff that I've experienced, the foot clan is like a modern day organization. So to have it be mm-hmm. like an old style clan, like in feudal Japan clans, um, and have it be like, you know, their extended family, an actual clan is, is a new take for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been around a lot longer than, uh, what the original series gave us. So right. it just adds so much depth to the story. It adds like this en- enormous layer of history that it's one of the reasons I really love this IDW. Uh, version of the Ninja Turtles because it's so rich. It's really dark in places. This is definitely not something that um, you know you would see in the cartoons. Right. <laughs> seeing like these th- children beheaded, and um, yeah, it's I, I can't praise the storytelling enough. And we don't really get the sense that Yoshi and Saki were friends who have had a falling out. They're clansmen. They're family members. But mm-hmm. it's not like the, oh, we used to be friends and then we had an argument and now we're bitter enemies. No, I just, I think they never liked each other. And as Saki got more mm-hmm. and more violent with how he was using um, their clan, because they're going to take down their, let's see, what are you saying? Our sole mission is to assassinate the castle lord and no one else. So they're taking down mm-hmm. a feudal lord whom they don't like. and But Saki's being a lot more bloodthirsty about it. And Yoshi's just not going to have a part in that. Yeah. So I think the the text says that they were clan brothers. Mm-hmm. So ba- that just kind of, like you said, uh, points toward them being, they just happen to be members of the same clan, but they themselves weren't brothers. They weren't, you know, how Raphael and Casey would probably call each other brothers because of their deep friendship. It was nothing like that. It was just like, we're in the same clan, so we're brothers that way. Mm-hmm. Um and I just wrote down for, you know, whatever reason that for those in the audience who don't know, um, with the names here, Hamato and Oroku would be their family, their surnames. Mm-hmm. Yoshi and Saki are their given names. Yoshi, I don't yep. know if it still is, but it used to be a pretty common given name, um, in mm-hmm. Japan. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, we do yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think it is still around a good bit, the name Yoshi. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, of course, I found it very, very funny that Hamato Yoshi from the Turtles was also Yoshi the Dinosaur on Super Mario Brothers. But of course, Yoshi being a very, very <laughs> common name, that'd be like two people being named William or John or... Right. Interesting thing about published order versus the order that we're reading here, because this issue starts with Raphael really getting the ninja stuff easily. And then we get a um, flashback uh, for um, like later that uh, it didn't really come up easily for him. So it's just an interesting thing. Like here in our first exposure to Raphael learning ninjutsu, he's like, yeah, you're getting this really great. But it's like, not necessarily from the beginning, though. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But it's, it's probably all relative because it would take years to reach a level of mastery that these turtles achieve. Um, if, if they're not quite there yet, they're, they're getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, Finding tuning. So what they've it already learned. Been, right. It might've been a case of, you know, feeling what it was like to have sigh in his hands again and doing the forms and the, the techniques and, you know, kind of reawakening a spiritual in, uh, memory that he has. So yeah, I, I can see where it, it, starts out slow but then it's like oh i'm kind of remembering my body used to do like some of this is coming naturally to me so there's a whole yeah, uh, they're learning out of there's a whole unlearning what you've learned process you had to go through first mm-hmm. yeah unlearn the the skull beating that he picked up with casey mm-hmm. um because i think about names and linguistics all the time uh tong shen is a chinese name mm-hmm. not a japanese yeah, name I, mm-hmm. i'm not sure that the fact that Yoshi took a Chinese wife is ever explored. Maybe it doesn't have to be. Maybe that's a common thing. Um, but there it is. Um, yeah. A Japanese man and a Chinese woman having Italian children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I bet those turtle shells hurt coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were just eggs. That, that wouldn't be too Probably, bad. probably. Sorry for the visuals we're probably planting in your heads there, <laughs> listeners. We do that sometimes. And I feel bad because Yoshi has to flee twice. Once he flees, you know, in exile, and then he has to, has to flee to keep his family safe, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. I feel bad for him. Yeah, and that that uh, vow he takes before his own death, um, it's pretty intense because we're used to seeing Splinter as a very wise, kind, uh, very elderly rat and in this one he's still you know young and spry and can definitely hold his own in a fight and then we see him basically vowing to kill um hamata or uh saki mm-hmm. after having just witnessed his children die in front of him so that's yeah he's been through some stuff and the so that he reincarnates into this uh, being who is like, okay, we're going to use violence as a last resort is uh, pretty impressive. Maybe he has taken the whole he who lives by the sword dies by the sword philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the way of violence he had before ended up getting him killed. And so he doesn't want to do that now. But um, they're going to have to do something. Well, he only had his, his sons out there, you know, on patrol because they were looking for Raphael. Now that they're all together, there's... No reason for them to do anything except live their life and be a family and eat pizza. I mean, they're training to mm-hmm. fight in case they need to. And because that's just, that's something that Yoshi knows. But um, but I don't know if he has any more plans beyond just being a family. Because they were in yeah. exile. They were living a family. They were living their life for 11 years. They could just keep on doing that. Mm-hmm. Because surely the universe wouldn't spit out. Orokusaki in modern day uh, New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And does he remember everything is a question that I have. Um, but April shows up and we have not seen her in 15 months. Mm-hmm. So first glimpse of non-origin story era April O'Neil. And she's in college and she's living her life, doing her thing. Um, probably... Still remembers, you know, the raid on her workplace from a year or more yeah. ago, um, which is why she wants self-defense lessons. 
That Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. And one might wonder why it's taken her this long to seek self-defense lessons, but I imagine there's a lot of different ways the story could have gone. She had to do some coping and some healing first, or she just hasn't had a good place to get self-defense lessons or whatever. Um, there's... There's both a story and maybe not much of a story over the last 15 months to explain why she's here at this point now. Right. Um, and then at the end, we get masks. We get Psy. We get pizza. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, the first time I read it, I didn't notice the four lights of the Christmas tree. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> of yes. course it's the four collars. But it's such a sweet little touch. And it's basically... The uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. This is tiny little thing, but it's just so sweet. It's just a little table tree. Yeah. And I, I, I love that this series started with the all red because that's where the franchise mm-hmm. started. And it gave yep. an in-story reason for the red masks because um, it's Raphael's color. Well, I guess it's, it's Raphael's color. So they were, I don't know, actually, why they chose red. The story doesn't say why they chose red, but. uh Oh, yeah. For, for the original masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but now they have the four different colors. They're all together. So it gives them different colors to distinguish. So we can move forward with the much more commonly recognizable version of the turtles where they have the four colors, which yes. was only ever done in the cartoon because American kids needed the differentiation in the, in the faces to tell them apart because they're cartoons. They got to sell toys. But um, – even though it started with a silly note, it has become the way we recognize the turtles, and it's just part of the part of the lore now. Yeah, um, I do like the colors that they chose for them. I was, I remember being a kid and being upset that my favorite turtle didn't match up with my favorite color. Oh, who's your favorite turtle and favorite color? <laughs> well, back then, my favorite turtle was Michelangelo, and I but I love purple. <laughs> mm. But now I love um, all the turtles in their own ways, and. Uh, I like all the colors, yeah. so yeah. Violet is one of my favorites, and Donatello definitely resonates with me as as a tech geek. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Christmas tree—it's a Christmas issue because this did come out December twenty-first, so very much a holiday release. Um, so having having that acknowledged both on the retailer incentive cover and on the back page was uh, was nice. I like that. <laughs> it still baffles me that they. They beheaded children for a Christmas issue. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to behead children, why not do it on Christmas? Yeah, this is true. I don't know who's what that naughty. means, but yeah, who's been naughty? Charlie Brown's like, I got a rock. And then three months later, I got beheaded. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, good. I mean, at least it was quick, I guess. Yeah. You can say that, but mm, yeah. A deep issue. Yeah. Um. So yes, we've got we we we've set the stage for the turtles to move forward, um, which is why I feel like this is while it's billed as a prologue for changes old, changes new, or enemies old, enemies new. Um, it also feels very much like the last chapter of everything that's come so far. Mm-hmm. Because we've also laid the groundwork for April and Casey to meet, um, both of them having a connection with the turtles. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of closing the circle of that group. But there's not much in the way of questions here as far as, you know, looking forward to stuff in the future. Um, It's pretty much a closed one and done issue, Um, except I do wonder if there's more to the reincarnation, if there is a motivating force behind that, or if it's just a storytelling device. And I also wonder um, 
does Orokusaki remember everything? Is he here? Because mm-hmm. the turtles don't seem to remember everything. Um, or at least we've had no indication that they know that they're boys from Japan. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, other than the the bit of muscle memory that they have retained of their uh, ninjutsu. Right. Which is weird because they were human muscles and now they're turtles. But, you know, whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're human-esque. The human, human-like turtles. So, maybe. I don't know. Um, we'll just go with we'll it. We'll just go with it. Yeah. Next episode, we are going to try out what may become a much more common format. Because... As we've said before, this um, both IDW Transformers and Turtles series have a lot of spotlight issues on the side. And Mm -hmm. um, so we are going to, assuming it doesn't take too much time to do the recordings and and to do the reading and prep work and that we're able to do so, uh, we are going to start doubling up with those. So um, most of the time, it's going to be a main narrative issue and a side issue that came out the same month. But... um, the Raphael issue and the Michelangelo issue came out on either side of this issue five. So we're going to go ahead and knock both of those out next time. Well, not next week, but in two weeks before we go on to issue six. So two issues mm-hmm. of Turtles, uh, Raphael, Michelangelo in a couple of weeks. But next episode will be um, Transformers Infiltration number five. Yes. So... Lots of good things to come. I didn't ask if there was more you had on the issue. I just started doing end of episode stuff. So I'm sorry. Did you have anything else you <laughs> wanted to talk about with the, with the story? No, I think we got everything. Okay. So yeah. So be reading up next week with Transformers Infiltration 5. And then two weeks from now, the uh, micro series, one shots, Raphael and Michelangelo. And we will be here for that. Exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. This podcast is a production of JohnReadsComics.com, home of virtually all of the podcasts produced by me, John Wilson. Each show has its own feed on your favorite podcatcher, or the whole group can be followed under the name John Reads Comics. Remember, there is no H in John. Feedback for all shows can be sent to JohnReadsComics at gmail.com, and I will plan to read it on a future episode unless you ask me not to. Follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and thank you always for listening to podcasts from JohnReadsComics.com. <laughs>